You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Well, good morning, Kingsway. Glad to have all of you. Glad to have our visitors with us today. Glad to have you all online. Let's pray this morning before we start. Father in heaven, we're thankful that today is the day of salvation and that we got to witness one be born again today. And we're thankful for your mercies and your grace. Father, we're thankful that you came to heal and you came to bind up the brokenhearted. You came to set the captives free, to deliver those who are in bondage. And I pray today, Lord, that those that feel a little bit weak, those that feel like a, a bruised reed, you don't, you don't break them, Lord. You heal them. And feel like their faith is maybe at a little low ebb, Lord. You just would whisper your tender words, Lord. Speak to their ears, Lord. I pray today we would hear from you. We would recognize that this is the place that you inhabit. And we just ask you to be here in a mighty way. We ask you to surround us, Lord, with your presence. We ask you to rise and let our enemies be scattered. And we pray, Lord, that the only voice, you'll still all voices. And the only voice that we want to hear, Lord, is your voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I don't know how many of you would want to be the firemen that on 9-11 that were running to the burning towers to go up the stairs while the mass of people were running away. I don't know how many of you would want to be a police officer get a domestic violence call. And you go on this call knowing that you may not even go home to your family that night because you make that call. How many of you have seen the scenes of World War II in the Normandy beach and seeing these men coming off the boats, heading to that beach, knowing that many of your comrades have already got mowed down? Boy, would you wanna go? Or how many of you wanna be a paramedic or an EMT as you're rushing through the intersections hoping that people will stop. My son's an ER doctor in his residency and he was on uh, with uh, a paramedic and they were on a call and he got T-boned and I didn't even stop sometimes and realize how dangerous it can be. And so today we just wanna really remember those who gave the ultimate sacrifice, who gave their lives so that we could have freedom in this country. Those who gave their life that we could be rescued from danger so that evil could be confined and curtailed. And we also want to thank those who are currently giving of themselves in such a way every day. And so today, if you are a fireman, if you are a policeman, if you are a veteran, if you're in one of the armed forces, if you're a paramedic or an EMT, we'd ask you to stand right now if you would. Would you please stand up? Can we just... Make sure, as Danielle was saying, that we honor those, not just today, but always. Jesus, speaking to Peter about his future, told him that he would pay the ultimate price. He told him of his future, and he said, listen, Peter, he said, truly I say to you, that when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted to go. 
But when you're older, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you. And you'll be led where you don't want to go. And he said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. Peter, you will go where you don't want to go. Well, why in the world would Peter ever go where he didn't want to go? Because tradition says that Peter was crucified upside down. Anybody want to volunteer? <laughs> You'll do it? <laughs> That's exactly right, young man. That is exactly right. He didn't want to, and that's why he did it. He did that. He went there, and the one word that would say why he did it was love. He would say with the Apostle Paul, if I give all I've got to the poor, if I surrender my body to the flames, but I don't have love, it profits me how much? Nothing. Absolutely nothing if we don't give, have love in there. Also, he said, Peter wrote one of his epistles, he said this, above all else, Peter got it, this is the essential, above all else, love each other superficially. Is that what he said? Read it, what's he say? Deeply, love one another deeply because love covers over how much? A multitude of sins. If you've been following Jesus like Peter, for any length of time, you know that Jesus covers over a multitude of sins. And Peter would say, and I would concur, when he met Jesus, when I met Jesus, he didn't know how to love. The only person he loved was Peter. The only person he trusted in was himself. He would say, I was so full of, of, of pride and prejudice. I was so full of, of, of always fighting with my fellow disciples over who's gonna be on the right and the left or jostling for who's the greatest pride. I look past people. I look down people. I look down on children, on women, on anybody that wasn't a, a Jew, anybody outside of our circle. There was a group trying to do something in Jesus's name. They weren't a part of our denomination and we tried to stop them. And boy, if you got in our way, we called fire down on you. I even cut a guy's ear off. I made a lot of messes and Jesus cleaned up a lot of my messes. The one thing Jesus taught me is that everybody's valuable, that we're all a precious mess. And Jesus never showed contempt for anybody. And Peter would say, not even me. And when I saw him on the cross, he the righteous, dying for me the unrighteous. When I heard him love his enemies and pray, oh, Father, Forgive them for they know not what they do. I realized with the apostle Paul who said this, he said, I die every day. Jesus didn't just die on the cross. He had died every day. And if you're gonna follow Jesus, guess what you gotta do? You gotta take up your cross and what? Deny yourself and follow him every day. What does it mean to die daily? Part of dying daily is surrendering your rule to his rule. In other words, you say, where do you want me to go? I'll go. What you want me to do, I'll do. What you want me to say, I'll say. And I've had the privilege of 35 years of ministering and pastoring to precious brothers and sisters who have often gone where they didn't want to go. And that is they faced their past. And some of them had horrible past. And it wasn't fun and it wasn't pretty, but they went there because they loved Jesus and because they wanted to love better and they knew they were stuck and they couldn't. 
And as I had the privilege of watching the Holy Spirit bring them into the presence of Jesus, I would see him with many of them and they'd say, I know you were humiliated. I know you were belittled. I know you were made fun of by those that should have protected you. And he said, I know, and I'm so sorry. I was on the cross for you. I suffered that too. And I know some of you have had, you were beat with a belt and you didn't deserve it. And you were punched in the face and you had your nose broke on several occasions and you had your arm pulled out of joint and you still today carry some of those scars and wounds. And Jesus said, I was beat for you. I was beat beyond recognition and I'm so sorry. I did it for you. And for those of you who all you wanted was the love of your mother, the love of your father, the love of your spouse, and you couldn't get it. Hear me on the cross cry, my God, my God, why? Why? Daddy, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Mother, where were you when I needed you? That's his cry. He says, I went there for you. And some of you feel so alone. You can be in a crowd and you feel alone. I remember growing up feeling so alone in a crowd. He says, I know profound loneliness on that cross in a way that you never have to experience. I did it for you. I know some of you were stripped naked against your will and violated. I understand. They took my clothes. They violated me. I'm so sorry. And as they went to the cross, the Spirit of God bringing them to the cross, you see, you gotta be like the paralytic. The paralytic let his four friends bring him into Jesus' presence to deliver you from some of those things that still have a hold on you. You have to go where you don't wanna go sometimes. And there are those in this congregation that I'm so encouraged by that are doing the tough things that aren't the easy things. I find those who are caring for their aging parents, even when it's difficult, but they do it cheerfully and willingly. What a, what a blessing to see that. To see some of those who are caring for their, their ailing spouses. I was a couple of weeks ago, I was in Florida and I saw an older woman helping her husband up a little bit up the, the shore there. And I said, thanks for loving him. And she said, I dearly love him. She said, but it's hard. And I just wanna, I see some people like my friend down here that's sitting over here, Sandy Craigenbrink and seeing her, how she loves her husband, Bruce, and how she enjoys her husband, and yet it's not always the easiest, but Bruce is such a sweetheart. This man in this wheelchair that I go down and visit now and then, when I go, I go to cheer him up, but he cheers me up. If you see him, he's the man with the smile on his face. A few weeks ago, when Sandy had to have surgery, he had to be put into a nursing home. He went in there knowing, and he did suffer some affliction, but he did it because he loved his wife. And when I go visit him, and it takes a lot because of what he has. He can't get his words out as easy, but he'll, he takes his, his hand and he reaches out to me and he said, oh, Lyndon, how's your granddaughter doing? I'm praying for Gabby. I'm praying for Gabby. Man, Bruce, I love you, Bruce to see those that I know in this congregation who have lost loved ones, lost your husband, lost your wife, and you come. And it's hard to come, and you come alone. Just such an encouragement. Micah Prickett lost his dad 
less than a year ago. And this morning I get a text praying for you, Lyndon. So many people see these people that are praying for their prodigals. Those of you that have prayed and lost sleep and tears, I want you to know he collects your tears in a bottle. I want you to know he who sees in secret rewards in secret. He understands all your pain. The pain that nobody else understands, he knows of it. Those here that are caring and taking care of their grandkids in their older age. There are those who've felt the sting of being thrown away through divorce and you come and struggle to be feel like you belong, but you come anyway because you love the Lord and you want to be a part of his family. There are those that are fostering children and adopting. Wow, what a ministry that is. We have several in our church that are doing that and reaching out because they want people to know, but they want kids to know that our God is a father to the fatherless and a mother to the motherless. You know, when Jesus healed, it says, and power went out from him. Jesus never had a power outage. (laughs) How many of you have had a power outage? And I think sometimes some of you may have had a power outage and you need it. And I pray today that God may refresh you, that God may renew you, that God may encourage you and know that he sees and gives you what you need to continue to press on in the fight. You know, when I was working with some people in my congregation where I used to preach, one woman, she was the product of rape. And she said to me, she said, Lyndon, she said, you know, I used to think for God so loved the world that he gave his only son and I just got thrown in there. But I know now that if I was the only person in the world, Jesus would have died for me. And another woman, she said after, after meeting, she said, I got a neck. I got a neck. She said, oh man, there were things put on me and my youth that were just oppress me. Things that should never have had to carry. And I've carried this and Jesus has lifted it off. And I got a neck. I can dance now. And another precious sister of mine who lived a life of sexual immorality. She was in bars, drunk. And she came to Jesus and as Jesus began to minister to her, it came out when she was six years old, she went to give her life to Jesus and a man who claimed to be a preacher but was a wolf, he violated her. Can you imagine six years old, ready to give your life to Jesus? I couldn't believe she trusted me as a pastor. And one time we were meeting and after the meeting, she got up and she said, Lyndon, I'm not that tough, am I? Because she had a tough exterior naturally. As God began to melt her heart, she died at 49 of cancer. And a few weeks before she passed to go home, she called me on the phone and she said, Lyndon, I just want to tell you something. I can't wait to see Jesus, to see Jesus. And she forgave her abuser. Dying daily means to surrender your rule to his rule, but it also means dying to your reputation. Jesus made himself of no reputation. When he went home to Nazareth, 
They were overwhelmed. And they, wow, the guy speaks real well, but Jesus knew their heart wasn't right. And he said, because he wasn't concerned about his popularity, he wasn't concerned about what people, they're getting their praise. He was there to love them. And he spoke the truth and it angered them. And they took him to the brow of the hill to throw him off, but it wasn't his time. The Bible says better is open rebuke than hidden love. And sometimes there are those things we need to say to our mate, to our parent, to a troubled teenager that they may not like to hear. But may we not be peace fakers or peace breakers but may we be peacemakers and peace is not the absence of conflict. It's the presence of righteousness. Jesus didn't, was not afraid to hang around anybody. He gave his reputation up. He's around the prostitutes. He's around the drunks and the drug addicts and those <laughs> swindlers. He was around all different types of people. One rapper says, if Jesus died and made no ethnic distinction as to who he died for, we should make no ethnic distinction as to who we fellowship with. Amen. And Peter had to learn that. And I've had to learn that. And Peter had to learn it by finding out about his own heart and saying one day, oh, I know my heart better than you do, Jesus. No, I'll never deny you. And you know he did. He did, and his, shattered, his courage was shattered. He thought, man, I, I'm a failure. How can Jesus love me? How can he use me again? I can't preach. I can't get up. You know, if I get up to preach, what people will say? Jesus came to him and restored him and loved him and said, feed my sheep. And one day, 50 days later, he's up preaching a message by the power of the Holy Spirit, God allowed him to heal a crippled man who was jumping and leaping and praising God. And the people were running, wow, this is awesome. And he says, oh, ho, ho. he says this, why are you staring at us as though by our power or our godliness, this man stands whole? Notice it's not just power, it's our godliness. He says, I'm not good. There's only one that's good. I'm not righteous. Jesus is righteous. He alone can save. And my son was a young boy. He was in Y football and he was on the kickoff team. And I remember the very first play of one of the games, he fumbled the ball. He went over, got on the bench. He was deflated and discouraged. I went over and I got down on a knee and I said, son, remember what we talked about? Recover. Remember, it's like, Get out there like the, it's the first play of the game again. And he went out there and played a great game. And I remember him running around the end and running for a touchdown. And I was so full of joy. And Jesus, the father says that to you when you and I fail. He's not ashamed to come beside us and say, recover, I love you. Two weeks ago before I'm praying, gonna be up here to preach. The Spirit of God is saying to Lyndon Fall, recover. Feed my sheep, Lyndon. Do you know that Mel Gibson, who did the movie, is the director of The Passion for Christ. The only place that he put himself in there, you know where it was? He was the arm that was driving the nails. 
He that has been forgiven much, loves much. I had a friend of mine several years ago found out that he had done great harm to his daughter. And a part of me wanted to pull back from him. And the Holy Spirit convicted me and said, you hypocrite. In light of all I've forgiven you, who are you to not love him? And so as I began to meet with my friend and we began to look at things, the Holy Spirit brought out that my friend had been raised by people who were Satan worshipers. And they had committed him to evil purposes. And one of the most traumatic moments I remember is when the Lord and the Holy Spirit brought him back and he remembered when a baby was being burnt alive. And he himself was tortured in many ways. And that man, as God transformed him, he suffered well. He still to this day suffers well and had endured the consequences of, of his behavior. And God, in his mercy, restored him and his daughter. And one day when he was struggling to say, Lyndon, how can God use the likes of me? I said, oh man, brother, let me share you with something. You know how, Mo, how David committed adultery? And David murdered? And he was a terrible father. Let me tell you what the scripture says. Look what it says in the book of Acts. It says that David fulfilled God's purpose in his generation. I said, brother, you can still fulfill God's purpose in your, your generation. And I said, do you know a man who was a womanizer? And he went to a prostitute at least one time, if not more. Do you know that man, after God severely disciplined him, he went on to do more to damage the kingdom of darkness than he did in all his earlier days? And do you know where he is? He is in the hall of faith. And do you know what his name is? Samson. God can redeem anyone. No one's beyond his hope if you come to him and surrender your reputation to him. Dying daily also means, <clears throat> excuse me, dying to your rights. Are we a culture that's all about rights? I ain't got a right to be treated like, I ain't got a right. Nobody's gonna treat me like this. <clears throat> Peter was very much about his rights. That's why when they say, Jesus, they're not gonna treat you like that, sliced off the guy's ear. God's grace, he put on that ear. And I've done my share of cutting ears off through the years. God's merciful. <clears throat> you know, when you step on a snake, you know what it does? <sharp inhale> Who's called the snake? Satan. You know what happens when you step on a worm? It takes it. Guess what Jesus was called? A worm. Now, love is not weakness, it's meekness. And meekness is love. Meekness is power under control. I remember many times I'd be like Jonah under the plant there, just pouting, going, my wife ain't got a right to treat me like that. Oh, that church doesn't have a right to treat me like that. And Jesus would be saying, oh, really? Was it right the way I was treated, Lyndon? Well, no. Well, was it right, Lyndon, for me? to take your place, to suffer your, for your sin. Now, Lord. 
They say you can't teach old dog new tricks. I don't believe that. I'm getting to be more of an old dog. <laughs> That's why I hope that, but I, they say that. But there was a man in our church and his name was Pops. Pops was like a grandpa to so many of us and my old, where I used to minister. <clears throat> Pops had a plan, he and his wife, like many did. They were gonna retire in Florida. But his wife went to have what seemed like an ordinary surgery, an appendix removed and something went wrong and she died. And Pops held a grudge against that doctor. Pops moved into our church and, and we began to love on Pops. And I'd bring him down into the youth group and the kids would come up and just rub his old bald head. He just, you know, if you ever seen their velveteen rabbit, you know, he'd just rub on Pops. Oh, man. And as his heart began to soften, I remember one day I was teaching in a home in the upper room, if you will, and I was teaching on bitterness. And as we gathered in, that, in a group to pray, I looked over in that old man's eye. Tears were just running down Pop's face. Pops gave up his right to hold a grudge. He forgave that doctor and let that go and found that freedom. And you can do it too. If any of you this morning are holding on to something, let Jesus take it. Let Jesus have it. Let me ask you something. How many of us have a right to a long life? Anybody know who this young lady is? 1999, this is Rachel Scott, Columbine shooting. Because of her testimony and her faith in Jesus, she was shot. She didn't get a long life. Does anybody know who this young lady is? This young lady is named Leah. And she was taken captive in Nigeria by a, a terrorist group. Spend four years. She could be free, but she will not deny her Jesus. Pray for Leah, but may we be like Leah. In 2005, there was a movie based on a true story called The End of the Spear, and it was put on by a man named Nate Saint. Nate Saint's dad, I mean Steve Saint, Steve Saint's dad, Nate, and four other men went down to Ecuador to go share the gospel with tribes that were killing each other. There was so much hostility. They didn't even live long because of it. You think of this culture and, and the hostility there. They were going to say, tell them about Jesus and about the cross. And as they were getting ready to go make contact, Steve Saint said to his dad, Nate, he said, oh, dad, he said, are you gonna take a gun? He said, oh, no, son, we can't take a gun. He said, they don't know Jesus. They're not ready for heaven. And they went. And all five men were killed at the end of the spear. And in an act of love and sacrifice, Nate's mom, his Aunt Rachel, and Elizabeth Elliot all moved back into that village. Into the village where they had killed their husband or their brother or their dad. And in time, that village all came to Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that Nate Saint was baptized by the very man that murdered his dad. Is that the power of the gospel, of surrender rights? And, and one of the most riveting scenes in that movie is when they take, that, that this man that had taken the life of Nate Saint's dad 
takes him, his name's like Micaiah or Micaiah, and he takes him to the very place where he had taken the life of his dad. And they go down this river and they come to the spot and he's digging in the dirt and out of the dirt comes the wreckage of the airplane that they had hid. And he also brings out a picture and it's a picture of Steve that his dad always kept in the airplane. And he reaches out and he gives Steve a spear and he says, kill me, kill me, I killed your father. Steve holds that spear in a moment of anger. It's like, oh my, all that. And he takes that, the Holy Spirit overcomes him and he takes that spear and he breaks it in two and he says, no, you didn't take my dad's life. He gave it. Woo. And those two fell on the beach, hugging each other. Jesus came to destroy the dividing wall of hostility. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, only the cross can do it. And if there ever was a time, if there ever was a time in this culture, in this land that we need salt and light, and but salt of brothers and sisters who will indeed give up their rule, give up your reputation, Give up your rights to Jesus. It's today. And this morning we're going to gather. We're gonna, we have our own memorial. We're gonna take the Lord's Supper. And the Lord's Supper is a covenant that you've entered into with the Lord. And Jesus Christ paid the ultimate sacrifice to save you, to redeem you, to restore me and you. And we come around and we remember what he did. But as we take that juice, I want you to examine your heart in regard to what I said. Are you dying daily? And it's a chance for you to renew your vow, your love for Jesus Christ, and say, Jesus, you gave it all. I want to give it all. And as you take that bread... Remember that Jesus didn't die for you to be alone. In fact, the scripture says he sets the lonely in families. I am so thankful that through the years of ministry, I have had grandpas and grandmas and aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters. I have eternal friendships today. I have a cloud of witnesses that have gone on that I'm gonna join one day because I've been a part of God's kingdom and his family and he doesn't intend for us to be superficial and shallow. He intends for you to get engaged, not just in activity, but relationally involved so much that you would say, I will die for them. He said they will know that we are his disciples by our what, brothers and sisters? Our love for each other and greater love has no man than he lay down his life for his friends. So may you examine yourself and say, are my relationships in this church deep? And if they're not, would you repent? And say, Lord, engage me, arrange me, however that is. Let me not wait on someone else. Let me give to you and to give to others. Let me love deeply as you have loved. And I tell you, if you do that, I can testify you'll never, ever be sorry. 
Let's take the supper together.